Now, if you go to Acts chapter 7, read Acts chapter 7, when Stephen was preaching over there, he called them the church in the wilderness. You say, well, I thought the church was not born without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was, but the church, church just simply means a called out assembly. And certainly they were a called out assembly. Amen. And it's a wonderful picture of the day's Christian as they were called out, as we're called out of darkness and they went through the Red Sea, baptized in the Red Sea under Moses. We're baptized into Jesus in the blood of God. What a wonderful picture of the day's Christian of being baptized. And did all eat the same spiritual meat, the manna, which came from heaven. And did all drink the same spiritual drink that they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Amen. Amen. I, I, I love the Bible where he said he, when he told Moses to smite the rock and water would come out. And you know, you only have to smite the rock one time. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus ain't coming back again to be smited again. He said, told him to speak to him, to speak to the rock the second time. That's how come Moses didn't get to go in the promised land because he didn't speak to him. He smiked the rock again and God fulfilled the promise, gave him water. But Moses didn't go into the promised land. You know what? Once you get saved, you don't have to come back and keep getting saved over and over and over. Christ died one time for all sins. Amen. All you got to do is come to the water and ask for forgiveness. I'm getting ready to get to it. I'm just going to stretch my legs out until I get to the message tonight. Y'all just bear with me. I got This stuff was really good to me. But as many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our example. Now listen to me. Over two-thirds of your Bibles, the Old Testament, it's 39 books in the Old, in the Old Testament. If you're not reading the Old Testament, then you're, 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 you're fighting a losing cause. You're, you're already behind. If you look at verse number 11, it said, All these things happened unto them for an example, that they are written for our ammunition upon them ends of the world to overcome. You have to got, know what God said. It's an example for the New Testament believer. The Bible said in Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, it means in the Old Testament time, were written for our learning. If you don't read the Old Testament, if you don't get a grasp of the Old Testament, then you'll lose any battle, but that through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Amen. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scriptures, including the Old Testament, he said, is given inspiration of God and profitable correction for instruction in rising. If you read the Old Testament, you're fighting a lost cause if you don't have it in your heart. You're at a greater disadvantage by not reading the Old Testament tonight. I realize that it's not all written to me, but every word of it is written for me tonight. He said, of these things in our example, to, to intent we should not lust after evil things that they also lusted. Neither ye be adulterers, as some were them was written, the people sat down to eat and drank and rose up to play. As it is written and written in chapter, uh, Exodus chapter 32, you say, all that stuff doesn't apply to me. I'm not an adulterer. Do you realize what they were worshiping in Exodus chapter 32. 
Have you really thought about that? I, I thought about it and it hit me hard. God's people, they were turning to adulterers. They started worshiping the golden calf. You know what that was made of? It was made of their golden rings and their silver. Basically what they were doing, they were making a golden calf out of their own possession and they worshiped their own possessions as a God. Don't you see that going on today? People are worshiping stuff. God gives them stuff and they worship stuff. They basically were worshiping their own possessions. They took their possessions and formed a golden uh, uh, God and they worshiped them. And God, man has not changed since the very beginning. People still worship stuff today, stuff that God has given them, stuff that God has provided for them. They will take it in some way, make an idol out of it, and start worshiping them. And let's keep it, them away from God. It keeps them from serving God. It keeps them from doing the things God wants them. The reason God doesn't give some people stuff is because he knows it will mess your life up. Ain't you glad that God can look down in time before you and, and see they, well, if, if they're praying for this and not giving them that down the line, they're going to be messed up and pull away from the house of God. They're not serving anymore. Ain't you glad God don't give you everything you ask for? Hey, I knew I wasn't going to get no a lot of amens out of there. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. The sin of fornication made God so mad that 23,000 people fell. It's still going on today. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also attempted and were restored by the serpent. You say this stuff doesn't have anything to do with me. Yes, it does. <laughs> It said that when these people had done made him mad and he sent the serpent among them. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that man went into fornication in church. Paul said, to deliver such unto Satan, that old serpent, for the destruction of the flesh. God will turn you over to serpents as long as you're doing things that's displeasing to him. Neither murmur, ye as some of them also murmured, and we're restored out of destroy. We are read verse number 11. Read verse number 12. Therefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. If you're sitting here tonight saying, that won't happen to me. I, I'm, I'm a better Christian than that. I, I, I'm a better child of God than that. You're exactly the person he's talking about. You're exactly the person he's talking about. You look back at those people in the Old Testament, they saw the hand of God. They saw the miracle of God. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw manna come down from heaven. They followed the cloud of day and its pillar of fire by night. They saw the glory of God fall into the tabernacle. Somebody saw all that and got as far as backslidden as these people has. It can happen to you and I too. I'm just telling you. They saw the things of God, witnessed it firsthand, and yet they got into a backslidden condition. You ain't no better. It can't happen to you and I. 
But this is where I want to get to. There have no temptation. This verse is quoted so many times. There have no temptation taken to use but such as uh, common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you'll be able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Everything happened in the Old Testament is still happening today. I want to take that subject. There have no temptation taken to you such as common as man and preach on to your hearts tonight. Some things never change. Some things never change. I, I read in the Old Testament find the exact same thing that caused people, God's people to get discouraged, God's people to get distorted is the same things that led God's people away from God are the exact same things the devil uses today. The devil does not have a brand new playbook. Amen. It is the same tactics that he used in the Garden of Eden with Eve. It's the same things he uses with you and I. According to 1 John chapter 2, For all that in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not the Father, but is the world. Those are the three things that he tempted Eve with that the church in the wilderness has to fight with and the church that we live in today are still fighting today. That same stuff. Everything's not changed. I find myself falling to the same stuff they fell for. I find myself being entrapped by the same stuff they was trapped by. I'm fighting the same thing they were fighting then and we're all fighting tonight. It's come up against us. The devil has not changed his playbook. He said, here I am and I want to discourage you. I want to disappoint you and I want to destroy you. Well, I want to give you some Bible principles that will help you tonight in the grace age church that we're in. Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. First thing I want to tell you, complaining displeases the Lord. Complaining displeases the Lord. Look at verse number one. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Now while there was, they were complaining, someone was listening. The Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that they were in the othermost parts of the camp. Some things never change. We're a living in an age that complains about everything. I am guilty. I am the world's worst. Ask my wife. Uh, I sit here and tell you I complain about this. I complain about that. We complain about it. If we sit around, we complain about the weather. We complain about our homes. Uh, we complain about our cars. We complain about our husbands. We complain about our wives. Uh, we complain about our church. We complain about the pastor. We complain about our jobs. We complain about everything. And I say I am the worst. There, there, no, nothing has changed. They were complaining in the desert and we're complaining here. We complain about the singing. We complain about the preaching. 
We complain. It has not changed. You know what a factory default set is? You know what that means? That means when the building at the factory, that was default set. That's set. Well, you and I have a factory default set in us. The day you came out of the womb, that was called the nature of complaining. You, <laughs> you say, well, I don't complain. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Just sit around and look at each other. You'll start complaining. Amen. We do. We, we, we start complaining about everything we come to. We're born complainers. We are professional complainers tonight. We are lost people of the flesh. We complain. We have to train ourselves to be thankful. Amen. Because naturally we want to complain about things. You have to train yourself not to complain when you want to complain. Do you realize this is the mark of the last days? Second Timothy chapter 3 said, This also in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covenants, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and unthankful, unholy. They just complain about everything. Some people could be hung with a brand new rope and still complain about it. Amen. Some people don't matter what you do, they're going to complain about it. It is in our nature to be complainers. I'm talking about it being built into us. These people were professional at it. Complaining, complaining displeases the Lord. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses. You don't need to go there. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Verse number 7. In the morning when they shall see the glory of the Lord, for they heard your murmurings, complaining against the Lord, and what we, we, we murmured against us. Verse number 8 of chapter 16. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning built bread into full, for the Lord hurt your murmurings, which you murmured against him, and what you are, your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. Numbers chapter 14, verse 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmured against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Verse number 36 of chapter 14. And the men which Moses sent to search land, who returned to make all the congregations to murmur against him by bringing up by slander upon the land. Numbers chapter 16, verse 11. For which cause both you and thou company are gathered together against the Lord, and what is Aaron? They murmured against him. Numbers 17, chapter, verse 5. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, when whom I should choose, shall blossom, and I will make, the, make to cease from the murmuring of the children of Israel, whereby they numbered, murmured against you. Do you see the re- repetitiveness here? All all it is throughout the wilderness, throughout the wandering that they're going through. From the time they crossed the Red Sea out of Egypt and came into coming to the promised land, all they did was murmur and complain. They never complained about the vision. They, they always complained about the vision of God. God dropped manna out of heaven for them. And they were complaining about the manna. I don't like that. I didn't want that. 
I'd have chose you. You're the same way. Y'all the same way. I, I wouldn't have chose that. I would have got something different. I would have done some way different. They complain about the provision that God had given them. They complain about the prophet that God gave them, Moses. God sent Moses to get them out of Egypt. And they were crying, I, I'm tired of being down here. We're under the taskmasters. I, I need to get out. Of God, have you forgotten about us? So God sent Moses to get out there. And, and then Moses goes and gets them out of them. They set him down. And they didn't even want him. They died no more. They said, let's do away with him. They said, wish you had never showed up. They complain about the fact that God was taking them to the promised land that he promised them. The spies came back, and I say this to your heart, when you tempt to complain, and we're all in it, we all do that, instead of complaining, start counting your blessings. I find myself that when I'm tempted to complain, I have to pull myself from that side back in the middle side and start saying, God, I want to complain about that. I want to complain about this. But maybe I ought to just start start counting all my blessings one by one and what God has given me. I find out that I got nothing to complain about. God has been too good to me. Why do I have to sit and complain about the things around me? God has been good to me. God has done faithful to me. If God gives me nothing else from now on, God is still being good to me, and I still have nothing to complain about. They complain about the provisions of God. They complain about the prophets of God. Philippians, Philippians 2.14 says, Do all things... Do all things, not just some, but do all things without murmuring and disputing. In all that you do, don't complain about it. It's easy to get caught up in complaining. And I know I'm the world's worst about it. I've been bent on natural negative all my life. I I don't look at it as half full, I look at it as half empty. I'm negative. I've been that way all my life. But God has been too good for us. We ought to start thanking God for the things that He has given us and stop complaining about the blessings that He has not given us. I'm talking about helping you in your life, your home life. <laughs> hey, I'm talking about your home life. Hey, you'll, women, you'll be a lot more better off and you'll get a lot more if you start uplifting your husband, tell them how good they are, how wonderful they are, encourage them and show them. And let me just say this, men, you'll get a lot more out of your wife if you just start and say, hey, you're the honey of my life. You're the sweet of my life. You're the heart of my life. You'll get a lot more out of them than start complaining about them all the time. Amen. We come to God in our prayer life and the first thing we complain, God, I, I don't have this. Why can't I get that? We're complaining in our prayer life to God. Amen. Why do we complain? Because it's naturally built into us and we want to complain. From the very beginning of time in the Garden of Eden, we complain all the way back until we got in the promised land. Can I say this? The company that you keep can affect you. <laughs> Let me say that again. The company that you keep 
can affect you. And I'm talking about things that never change. This is, this is the standards that never change. Numbers chapter 11, verse 4. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlics. But now our soul is dried up, dried away. There's nothing at all besides this manna before us, before our eyes. It was in that mixed multitude that was failed into lusting. Everybody in here, including young and old, listen to me. Be careful who you mix up with. Be careful who you yoke up with. Do you realize this? The first time that the children of Israel complain and murmur about the manna, this is the first time. Don't miss this. This is the first time they complain about the manna. They complained in Exodus chapter 16 before the manna ever came. They said, we need something to eat. And God said, hey, you need something to eat? I'm going to give you something to eat. And they, God gave them the manna. What got them complaining about the manna was when the people that were hanging around with, verse 4, it was the mixed multitude that was among them fell lusting. And then, and then the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? You see what the mixed multitude wanted? They wanted flesh. They wanted flesh. They're not satisfied with the honey bread that comes out of heaven. Amen. They wanted flesh. Be careful keeping company with any group, save or lost. Now all they want to do is live for flesh, live for self. You know what the man is, the picture is? It's not only a picture of Jesus Christ, but it's also a picture of the Word of God. Bible said when it came down, it had the taste of honey. Psalms chapter 19 said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And it was sweeter than any honey or honeycomb. He told Ezekiel and John, Eat that loaf of God's bread. And it tasted like honey in their mouths. This is the bread of God. It is sweeter. Be careful hanging around any crowd that is more interested in living for the flesh than living for the honey bread of God, whether they're saved or lost tonight. I know we cannot isolate ourselves. I know we cannot build a wall around our homes and put a sign up, do not enter, we'll kill you. Bible says we ought to be the salt of the world and the light of the world. You ought to be uh, the witness to the people in the world. But we're, we're called to be out of the world. We're not called to be like the world. Amen. You can't. <laughs> I love. You can't make a difference in somebody's life in this world if you act like the world, talk like the world, and walk like the world. You can't make a difference in their life. Amen. That's why we're called out. Come out from among them, but you're still in this world and you've got to shine and you've got to be the salt of the world. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequal yoked together. And it's not talking about marriage there. That's marriage is not in the equation here. He's talking about yoking up with a lost person. 
with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness and unrighteousness? And what the communion has light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Of what part hath he believed in an infidel? And what agreement with, hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separated, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto me. And I will be the Father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'm curious, what part of that do you not understand? You've got to come out from among the world. Although we live in a world, you can't act like the world. You can't talk like the world. You'll never win them that way. You've got to be different. They've got to see something different in you. And he's talking about the unsaved. But he also talks about the saved people too. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Talking about the relationship with saved people in the church. But now I have written unto you, not to keep company with any man that is called a brother to be a fornicator, a covenant, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such as one not to eat. He said, hey, don't even eat with them. But what you are to do, you are to restore them, get them back in the fellowship with God. I've always heard this. You may have heard this. If you lay with dogs, you're going to get... There you go. It's not Bible, but it's good. Hey Amen, I'm just saying it. You got to be careful who you yoke up with in this life. I'm telling you, if you start, and I just said, that's, he's talking about saved people in chapter 5. He's talking about saved people. There are people sitting in the church does not care anything about the manner of God. All they're living for is the flesh tonight. And there very well be some sitting in this church living the same way. I'm trying to restore you. I'm trying to get you back in fellowship with God. But if you recognize those kind of people don't have any fellowship with them. I don't care if they say I'm a brother, I'm a sister. Don't. Be careful. Why, 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 do you, why do you want to preach like that? I'm just telling you. Because if you're not careful, they'll drag you out of the church. They'll pull you out of church. They'll get you thinking the same way they think. Well, they're living the flesh, and they're sitting in church. It must be all right. It must be good. So I think I'll start living for the flesh, sitting in church. Amen. We've got a lot of false Christians sitting in churches today. Amen. We've got a lot of them out there. Be careful who you hang out with. And I, I'm not talking, you can be friendly. You can be courteous. You can go to birthday parties. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about who you're tight with. Yes. Those people that you, hey. <laughs> that, I'm talking about those people. Those people out there. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I'm talking about. Those who you are tight with, you better make sure they're walking the same walk you walk. Because if you're not careful, you might be start walking the walk they're walking. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah, anybody getting this? Yes. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> I, I, just, I just thought I'd ask. Anybody getting this stuff? 
You see it like I see it. I, I, I saw this and I said, Lord, this is me. This, this right here is me. Psalms 19 says the Lord of the law is perfect, the bird of the soul is sweeter than honey and then honeycomb. You've got to stay with that. Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. Be not deceived. Be careful of what company you keep close in your walk. Can I, can I say this? I, I ran through this in the day. A critical spirit can hinder the movement of God. Let me say that again. A critical spirit can hinder the movement of God. Part of what's going on here, Moses is picking some elders. And the spirit of Moses is going to land on them. Look at Numbers chapter 11 verse 25. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spake unto him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp, the name of them which was Eldad and the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them and they were, uh, were on them, they were written but God, but went not out of the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Adad, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. Now let me say this. That is a blessing. That, that, that is a blessing. These two fellows are over there. They're preaching. They're prophesying the word of God. The spirit of God is speaking through them in the camp. This is what you want. This is what I want. God shows up. God's getting on people. That's what we need in the church. You know what I, what I want to see is the church is see a whole bunch of people God get on and they start living for God and serving the Lord, not just in here, but out there too. But watch verse number 28. And Joshua, the son of Nun, we know who that is. The servant of Moses, one of the young men answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. He said, You've got to stop this mess. You just got to clamp it. I'm going to tell you, you ever been in the church service? God get to moving? God's just jumping on people and everybody. There. And then somebody get up and do something and just quench the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. Lord, Moses, you've got to clamp them down. They over there causing a roughness. People are shouting. People are praising. They're shouting the of the God. You've got to clamp it down, Moses. Verse 29, Moses said, that critical spirit he had, if Moses had, a, listen, he, he said, and Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would put their spirit on? He said, I, I wish everyone was a prophet of the Lord. I wish everyone had the spirit of God on them. You see what Joshua did? That critical spirit that he had, if Moses had listened to him, it, it would have quenched the movement of God in the church. And, I, and I'm real guilty about this. I, 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 if I'm not careful, the Bible says confess your faults, we're not going to confess them to you. I, I get to watching some other ministry. 
I get to looking at them. Now, I, I look at those that are out in the left field, some other salvation plan, some other Bible, some other way. I'm not talking about. I, I get to looking at some of misery, some other ministry, and, and they're not preaching the way I preach. So they're not teaching the way I teach. They're not walking out there. I get to say, well, they don't do it like me. They don't, they don't do it. They don't, they don't preach it like me. Now, they're reading the same Bible, preaching the same thing, and they're preaching the truth, and ain't nothing wrong with that. I understand that. But sometimes you can get critical on somebody doing something right. I find myself doing that. I have to say, Lord, you know what I I start saying, Lord? I need you to be critical of me. Get me right. Because we don't do it the same way. We don't read it the same way. We don't act the same way. Does not mean they're wrong. I find that a lot of churches got a, got a lot of good people in them that's serving God. They're just not doing it the same way we're doing it. They're not wrong and we're not wrong. We're just serving God having a good time. Amen. But let me warn you, there are some out there in left field preaching a different baptism, different salvation, different word, different God. There's many ways to heaven. I'm just telling you, you need to be careful of that. You preach the King James Bible and you preach the truth. I first got saved and started preaching. I thought my job from God was called to wake everybody up in church. Get them on fire again, Jimmy. Get them out there and just uh, just shout and just get them on fire. Get them praising God. I found out a lot of people just don't want to get woke up. They like sleeping. It kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> nobody wants to shout with me. I preached in one church and I shouted the whole time and nobody's like, never got asked to come back. Amen. Then I realized God, you got to get me right. you got to get me right. If we ask God to get our, our, us right, we won't have that critical spirit anymore because we see they're, they're, not, they're not the same way we are. They serve the same God. They're still walking the same way we walk. It's easy to get to a place when you start looking at your brother and sister. Across the pews, looking at them and get real critical. How come they raised their hand? How come they shouted? How come they went to the altar? How come they testified? It's real easy for us to get critical of those in the church that's with us, that we're serving with. Easy to get critical. Can I say this? Let me just say this. Underline it, put it in your heart, do whatever you want to with it. It's easy to get in that place. If you come in and criticize everything when you leave, you're going to end up getting nothing. (laughs) If you come in and all you look and do is criticize people and what they're doing, you're going to leave and God ain't going to give you nothing. I don't know about you, but every time I come to church, I want God giving me something. I don't care how much y'all shout and raise your hand, jump the pews, run out. I don't care. If it's in the Lord, go for it. Just don't flop down on the ground and bark like a dog. 
A critical spirit can hinder the movement of God. Let me say this. Carnal, covetous craving can kill you. Listen to me. Carnal, covetous craving can kill you. So the last part of this chapter is these people wanting flesh. God said, if you want flesh, not manna. Yes, that's what we want, flesh and not the manna. God said, I ain't going to give it to you for one day, nor a week. Lord said in verse 20, he said, but even a whole month. But until it comes out your nostrils. Can you see that? The flesh, the Bible says, is two meters of, fl- of quail that came in from the north, came out of the south, from the east, two feet of quail. They're running around. They just keep, it keep getting all this quail, and it's always there. And as soon as they eat, it's just chewed. It's there. It's always there. They can't get rid of it. Verse 31, it said, And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and he brought quail from the sea, and let them fall by the camp as they were a day's journey on, one, on this side as it was a day journey on the other side, and round about the camp, and it was where two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all that day, and all that night, and all the next day, they gathered the quail, the camp, and while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed. The wrath of God was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people. <laughs> Carnal cravenness can kill you. And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And it called the name of that place Kidroth Hathra. Because there they buried the people that lusted. They desired. They wanted something God. Be careful what you start craving for. Amen. Because God might let you have it. They prayed for it. God gave it to them. The worst thing that God could do for you, it might sound backwards, but the worst thing that God could do for you is give you exactly what you want. Give you exactly what you want. I've looked back in my life and I've asked God for and my heart craved after things and I saw in my life that if God had gave me what I asked for and what I was craving for, I wouldn't be here tonight. I would not be stepping here tonight. I am so glad that God didn't answer all my prayers. Aren't you glad that God doesn't answer all your prayers? Ain't you glad that God doesn't give you everything that you ask for because just what you might ask for might wind up killing you. Ask yourself this question. If you get what you... <laughs> we, we have dreams. We dream of things. When you're young, you dreamed a lot of things. Ask yourself your question this your mind. This is what you got to ask yourself. Be honest with yourself. God, God knows already. If you got what you were craving for right now, Would you be closer to God or further away from God? You have to ask yourself. If what I've been craving, desiring, wanting in my life, 
may not be bad, may not be wrong, it may not be evil, but if God looks down in head and says, hey, if you got that, something wrong, if what you're craving and desiring for right now, does it bring you closer to God or moves you further away from God? That's a question we all have to ask. Maybe our prayer life might change then. Lord, I wish I'd win that lotto. Six months, you'd be down the street. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even darken the doors of the church then. Amen. Be out in the Caribbean, on the cruise out there. Laid out on the beach. Amen. I'm just telling you. The thing that you want the most in your life, does that make you want to serve God more or moves you away from God more? You have to ask yourself. You have to be careful about the things that you crave. I'm about done. We're about ready to go home. I try in my life, and I'm not, I'm not, saying I'm not perfect. The Lord knows I'm not perfect. But I try in my life, and when I make a big decision, I pray. I've had people say, you know, what should I do? I I'm not God, I'm not the Pope, I'm not the pote, I'm not, I'm not all that stuff. I'm the pastor, I'll pray for you, help you, but you know, I, I, I can't make a decision for you. You have to make your own decision. You have to pray there. But I prayed, Lord, is this what you want? And I pray, is this what you want in my life? And, and I wait for a sign. I didn't take this church until I got a sign from God. God gave me the scripture to take the church, and I said, okay, I'll take the church. Anything, anything. When is the last time you asked God's advice for anything that you've done in your life? When's the last time? When's the last time? I said, Lord, I've got this decision, and I, I really don't know, but I, I need some guidance from you. See the reason why some people don't ask God for guidance? <laughs> they're going to they're, they're get it anyway. They're going to do it anyway, but God tells them no or not. God says, no, you don't need to do that. I didn't hear that, God. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought no meant yesterday, this week, so <laughs> I'm going for No. You ask God to give you a sign for any decision. It's like a job. Everybody needs a job. Everybody needs to work. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. I'm just telling you. And Genesis tells you you work by the sweat of the brow. We all work by the sweat of the brow. But anything that you take into your life moves you away from God. You need to find out if God really wants you there or not. You may find out if that's the will of God for your life. Amen. You need to find out what the will of God is for your life. Am I where I should be yet? Am I doing what I should be doing? Am I seeking the things that I need to seek to draw me closer to God or the things I'm seeking are pushing me away from God because it's my desires, not God's desires. See, we have a big difference between God's desires and our desires. My, I, we all have, if you raise your hand and say you don't have a desire, I'll come over and slap you. <laughs> we all got them. We all got desires. But when your desire overrides God's desire for you, you're in trouble. Amen. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. 
Don't let the cravings kill you. Carnal governess cravings can kill you. Spiritual, critical spiritual can hinder the movement of God. Be careful what company you keep. And stop complaining about everything that's going on. If you're a complainer, just say, Lord, here I am. Help me with my complaining, my whining, my murmuring. Because it's in our DNA, it's in our makeup. We do that. We do that. Amen.